So this is from DC Talk's Free At Last album. Like half the leaders are like, yeah. It's like one of the greatest CDs ever made in the history of music. You need to get it. I had the whole CD memorized. So I had that song memorized when I was 13 years old. Um, yo, S-E-X, the test when I'm pressed, so back up off with less of that. I know it all. <laughs> um, I just had to prove it. But, uh, you know, this was like the first time, guys, like I had heard about sex. Like I'd heard about it in my school, sex education. I definitely heard about it from my friends, all the little jokes and jokes and <laughs> all the things that they would do. Uh, I, you know, I'd heard about it in movies that I'd watched, and um, I, I definitely heard songs about it, you know, at the school dance and on the radio and all this stuff. And, but this was the first time, guys, my parents gave me uh, a set of tapes. You guys know what a tape is? Um, they gave me a set of tapes. They're like CDs, but not at all. And so uh, they gave me these tapes from Dr. James Dobson. And they taught, they, that's how, they said, listen to these tapes, and this, that was supposed to be my sex talk with my parents. We never really sat down and kind of had the talk, and I didn't really listen to the tapes. I would just play them in my room and close the door, and they could hear them playing, and I would just do other stuff, because I'm like, so I, I didn't really, I never really heard a biblical perspective. I was never exposed to what the Bible had to say about sex. I didn't go to a church like Watermark. I didn't have somebody teaching about it from a stage. I didn't have a small group to go to and talk about it. So I was really just exposed to what the world had to say about it. And then when I got this CD, DC Talk Free at Last, and I heard this song, I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of uh, a new angle, a new take on this, something that I hadn't really heard before. I mean, I'd been told, yeah, the Bible says don't have sex and all that, but you know, I never... S- Okay, that was cool back then. Like, maybe they don't look cool now, but like, these were like the coolest guys in my eyes back then. I was like, I never heard like cool guys um, say that they don't want sex and they want to save it for marriage. And it was a new idea for me. Hopefully, it's not a new idea for you. Um, but you know, that's that's the idea that uh, we want to expose you guys to in these these three weeks. And let me just tell you, this had an impact on me. I memorized the CD. Um, and I memorized this song, and I knew it, and I started to understand what God's plan for sex was in my life when I was 13 years old. And I can just tell you, I made a commitment back then, a commitment that I kept, um, and I didn't have sex until I got married. And here's the thing is, I have never met a Christian person that saved themselves for marriage and regretted it. Let me say that again. I've never met a Christian person that saved themselves for marriage and didn't have sex until they got married and, th- and said, you know, I wish I would have had sex before I got married. Like, no one's regretted that decision. And I've also never met a Christian person that either before they were a believer or after they were a believer made a mistake and had sex before marriage. Uh, I've never met a Christian person that had sex before marriage that said, I, I would do that again if I had to do it over and that was a good decision. Um, you know, maybe God has worked good through those stories, um, and I believe that God does that, but no one's ever said, yeah, if I had to do it all over again, I'd do that exact same thing. Every person who follows Christ that I have ever talked to, I've ever met, if you would ask them, and I'm talking adults, hey, would you recommend to someone saving themselves until marriage, every single one of them would say yes. I did it, and I'm glad I did it. Or I didn't do it, and I wish I did. That's what they would have said. 
Um, and so I got that from these three guys. I wish I would have gotten it from someone that I knew and that I knew cared about me and that I trusted, but I trusted them enough that I got that. And, and I made that commitment and I kept it and I do not regret it. I'm, I'm very grateful that I saved myself for marriage. And so that's what this morning is kind of about is, uh, let me review for you what we've talked about the last two weeks if you haven't been here. Uh, the first week we talked about what was God thinking. We talked about how God created sex. I mean, God made us male and female in the Garden of Eden, Eden, Adam and Eve. And he said, you guys, you will be united and you will become one with one another and you're going to multiply and fill the earth. So, so God made this thing. We talked about what was God thinking. Here were the five things we said God was thinking. He made it for marriage. He created this thing uh, to be a special part of a marriage between a man and a woman. He meant it for a man and a woman, not a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Uh, he meant it for intimacy so that people could uh, be closer in that special marriage relationship with one another than they are to anybody else to create this uniqueness to that marriage relationship so that people can reproduce. Uh, and, and then also he meant for teaching us about Jesus and the church. And that's a unique deal. A mystery is what Paul calls it, where the intimacy between a man and a woman in sex will, will kind of teach us something about the way God loves us and the closeness he wants to have with us. So that was week one. Week two, we talked about what went wrong because something has gone astray because sex causes all this pain and there's all these diseases and all this stuff. And so we talked about four lies that uh, the world has kind of come up with or that the enemy has whispered in our ears about sex and they were, sex is limited to going all the way, that hey, as long as you don't go all the way, that you, you're not really um, sexually immoral. Uh, and we talked about, hey, there's a lot of things. Jesus says that looking at a woman lustfully is the same as having adultery, is the same as going all the way. So Jesus says even a, lo a look that is lustful can be the same as adultery um, or going all the way. And so we said, hey, anytime you get in a situation that is lustful, and you're going to learn more about the definition of lustful as you get older, uh, that that is an error, and that is something that could cause pain and destruction in your life. And so sex is not limited to going all the way. That's a lie. Another lie is that sex can serve whatever purpose I choose. We talked about God's five purposes a second ago, but the world has come up with a million other purposes for recreation, for fun, for taking the next step in a relationship, uh, to finding love. I mean, we've come up with all of these purposes. Sex leads to love is a lie, okay? Love and a loving relationship, love comes first. And then when you've made a commitment, to always trust, always persevere, always protect, as love is described in 1 Corinthians 13, and you get in a marriage relationship, then sex is a, is a byproduct or is a icing on the cake of love. But you don't have sex to create or manufacture love to keep someone with you. That's a lie. And lie number four is that sex can be safe. Not only physically is it not safe uh, outside of the context of one man and one woman when there's multiple partners uh, and a history, uh, the danger increases physically, but also emotionally every time you give yourself to another person. In any way, physically, you connect with them. You're giving a part of yourself to them. Um, especially if you go all the way, you're giving an enormous, you're giving your whole self to them. And you never get that back, right? And so God restores and forgives people that make mistakes, and, and I really believe that he can redeem that. But um, on one level, is never safe for your heart uh, 
to engage in sex. So we, we, hit, we hit these things. Uh, week one, you know, what was God thinking? Week two, what went wrong? Now this is week three. What's a teenager to do or a preteen to do if you're, not, if you're 11 or 12 or whatever? But this is the application week. This is what do I do with this information, all right? So I get what God was thinking. I get what's gone wrong. So what do I do beyond just what the song said, which is just say, okay, I'm just going to say I don't want it and not do it. Um, and, and that's it. And I think there's a lot more that you can do. And so I'm going to give you the application this week. This is really where, the, where uh, you know, everything comes into play. So let's just go through. There's five things you can do. Here's the first thing you guys can do. These are all application. You can walk out today and do these things. First thing is this. You need to know your Bible. You see, God created sex, and he talks about it a lot all through the Bible. You need to know what it says about it. You need to understand it. You need to know it. Not just what I tell you it says, not what your parents tell you it says, not what your small group leaders or your teachers or whatever tell you it says. You need to open it up and read it and see for yourself and know your Bible. I did that with this DC Talk song. I looked up stuff and found the scriptures. This song was riddled and covered with scripture. Different Bible verses are referenced throughout it. And I found those and I go, is this true? Is this for real? Uh, what are they basing their lives in this song on? And you've got to know your Bible, and you've got to know your standards. You have to be able to answer the question, how far is too far for me in a relationship physically? What does lust mean? What does sexual immorality mean? What is the Bible describing when Jesus talks about it, when Paul talks about it, when God created it? What is it, and what are the, the boundaries? You have to do that for yourself. You have to own that decision. DC Talk can't own it for you. Your parents can't own it for you. Your leaders and I can't. You have to know your Bible and know your standards. Do you agree or disagree with the five purposes I put up on the screen? Do you own them for yourself? Number two, you've got to let your standards be known to others. Once you've decided where you stand, you've got to let others know the exact details. This is important. So other people can encourage you and support you. You need to tell your parents, hey, here's what I've decided about sex. These are my standards. I'm saving sex for marriage. And also, I want to make sure that these boundaries are in place to ensure that my heart doesn't get ripped and torn by engaging in uh, this extent of a physical relationship with someone else. And I want you to know that as my parents because you care about me and you look after me and you can help me keep these boundaries. And I'm going to tell my small group, if you're not in a small group, that's why we sent you out earlier so you can take the next step to getting in one. If you're in one, never give up going. They can help you keep those boundaries until other trusted people in your life that can help you. So once you know your standards, don't put yourself in a position where you don't tell anybody else and it's just up to you to keep them because when you're in a tempting situation, the temptation is strong and you need other people that you know are holding you accountable that are gonna ask you about it, that are gonna challenge you about it. Let me give you an example of this. Okay, my standards with Allie when we were dating were this. We are always going to stay upright and in the light. All right, and within sight. All right, those were our rules. Upright, in the light, and within sight. Meaning, we're never laying down with each other. Okay, that's just not good. We're not gonna, we're not gonna lay down on the couch and watch a movie. We're not gonna take a nap. Like, we're just not gonna lay down because bad things happen when you lay down. We're gonna stay in the light. We're not gonna turn off the lights. When you turn off the lights, then it starts getting a little tempting. Maybe a little steamy in your mind, all right? And so we just said, hey, we're staying upright, we're staying in the light and within sight, meaning that we're gonna be where people can see us. 
because we know God sees us all the time, but sometimes we forget. And so I want people to see us. And so if I'm upright and we're in the light and we're within sight, then we're all right. All right? Those were our standards, and I let those standards be known to others, to, to my accountability group of people, and also even uh, since I work at a church, I let it be known to my boss, Braun. And one thing I did with Braun is if there was ever a chance that we were not going to be upright in the light or within sight, I would call him. Awkward in, thing in the world. Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, one time, Allie and I were going on a double date with her roommate and her roommate's boyfriend, and we were meeting at Allie's apartment, and I get to Allie's apartment, and the roommate is not there, and the boyfriend's not there. They were somewhere else and coming to meet us there. So it was just me and Allie. And so I'm starting to go into her apartment, and I'm thinking, all right, lights are on. We're standing up, but guess what? It's just us in this apartment. Anything could happen. <laughs> and so I called Braun, and I said, Braun, I'm going out of sight, but at least I want you to know about it, and I want you to ask me about it tomorrow. So it's almost like you're watching me even though you're not here, I, w I want it to be like you are watching what we are doing. And he's like, that's such a weird phone call. But I just, <laughs> but it, and it was weird. I'm like, this is awkward. I'm making it in front of Allie. She's like, what, you don't trust me? I'm like, no, I don't trust me, you know? But I, and so we walked in there. I said, Ron, I'm going in. We're waiting. When they come, we'll, we'll be inside. But I just, that's how dangerous and tempting this thing is, y'all, is that we want to stay upright in the light and within sight. And so I let my standards be known to others. But you've got to come up with your own standards and what they are. And you've got to let other people know them. And they can sharpen them if they're weak. If you go, yeah, my standard is, uh, no, not in the light, not upright, not within sight. Well, how about upright, but not in the light? I mean, and then go, wait, why would you want to be in the dark? And they can help you sharpen your standards. Um, and, and here's another thing. Let it be known to your accountability group or your small group. Let it be known to your parents or your leader. But let your standards be known to the whole world. See also Nick, Kevin, and Joe, all right? Uh, you may or may not like the Jonas Brothers, <laughs> but one thing about these guys is if you look down at Nick's left hand under his watch, this is, and, and you can see Joe's left hand up by his head, they wear these rings, and they get talked about a lot in the media for wearing these rings, and those are rings that tell the whole world, all right, anyone they want to date and anybody that watches their concert or whoever that they are going to save themselves, they're going to save sex for marriage. And so they let that part of their standard be known to everybody. I don't know the rest of their standards. I don't know if they actually keep that standard, but they let their standard be known by wearing those rings. Same thing that Jordan Sparks does. Same thing that Tim Tebow does. All right, uh, Heisman Trophy winner uh, a couple years back. Uh, was a quarterback for the Florida Gators. He wears Bible verses on his face, and uh, he, he says publicly in interviews that people ask him if he's saving himself for marriage. He says, yes, he lets his standard be known to everyone. Uh, here's a couple of ideas for you guys. Does anybody in here have a purity ring or a promise ring or whatever you want to call it? Raise your hand high. Okay, some of you guys have them. Let me just put a few websites on the screen. If you want to let your standards be known, this is James Avery. Uh, they're at the mall, or you can order one. Just get a silver ring or something like that. There's a couple of other websites. Uh, True Love Weights is a ministry uh, that they kind of have. They will help you uh, find out what the Bible says. You can know your Bible and know your standards and kind of write it down and make a promise and a pledge, and you can get rings from them. You can do the same thing at uh, Pure Excitement is uh, Joe White from Canacuck. If you guys go to Canacuck, he has a ministry there. 
uh, where there's rings and commitments and things like that. And then also uh, Silver Ring Thing is a group that uh, they, they do the same deal. So if you want to get it, they're as seen on MTV, 60 Minutes, Good Morning America, or whatever. So if you want to make your standards known to others, just get a ring, you know, like something that you can wear all the time. And uh, people will ask you about it. Why do you have on a ring on your left hand on your wedding ring finger? Well, it's because this is my standard. Another important uh, tip before we move on, you have to, this is very important, you have to know your standards, you have to let it be known to other people, you have to let your standards be known to anybody that you want to date or wants to date you, and you have to find out what theirs are, and if they don't have anybody, you need to run, or if they don't have any standards, you need to run, and so, you know, if if you want to date somebody, you know your standards, you got to tell them, hey, here's my deal. Here's what I believe about sex. Here's what I believe about lust and sexual immorality. And if, here's how far this thing is going to go physically. And if you want to go farther than that, you shouldn't date me. All right? And if you have a standard that's different, you're going to constantly be pressuring me and tempting me to go past, oh, no, I won't. I would never do that. Yes, you are. And so unless our standards line up, then we're not dating. All right? We're not going out. This is very important that you know your standards, you share them with others, especially someone that wants to date you or that you want to date. That's an awkward conversation, but if you're not mature enough to have that conversation, you are not mature enough to date another person. You're foolish and you're walking into a thorn bush and you're just going to get destroyed. Number three, you got to know your Bible, know your standards, let your standards be known, and then you just got to run. You got to flee from any and all sexual immorality. I'm just going to click you through because there's temptations everywhere and here's what the Bible says over and over again. Ephesians 5.3 But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity so you just got to run from it. There shouldn't even be a hint. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body but he who sins sexually will you sin against your own body. So run from it. Look at what 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33 says. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. So if you can't date for the glory of God, if you can't kiss for the glory of God, if you can't whatever you do physically, if you can't do that for the glory of God, don't cause anyone to stumble, no matter who it is, even as you try to please everyone in every way. You don't seek your own good, what feels good. You seek the good of others so that they might be saved. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Uh, Job says this, Job made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. He runs from it. Uh, with my old small group, there are guys that just graduated. Uh, they, they talked to me about how they struggle with lust, and we talked about uh, looking uh, away from girls that tempted their eyes to look lustfully. And one little tip we had, uh, Will, are you still back there? Or did Will walk away? Will's gone, maybe out in the lobby. Will and those high school guys, one thing that, that we did is we talked about architecture, all right? And, and so if you're tempted to look at a girl um, lustfully, you would, instead of looking at her, you would admire the architecture in the building you were in. And they would, they would encourage each other if they're hanging out together and a girl walks by that they're tempted to look at, they would go, guys, look at this architecture. Isn't this great? And they'd go, what a well-built structure we are in. And they would bounce their eyes off of the girl, all right? And they would flee from even the look of sexual immorality, all right? Guys, that's a little tip you guys can take, and you can admire the architecture, all right? Lastly, Genesis 39, what a great example Joseph sets for us. One day, Joseph 
goes into a house. He's working for this guy named Potiphar, and there's no one there. He's out of sight. None of the household servants are inside. And then Potiphar's wife comes, and she wants Joseph. And she grabs his cloak and says, come to bed with me. And he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He fled. He ran. And so when you're tempted, girls, when you're tempted, guys, you flee. You run away from it. These are your application points. Let's review. Know your Bible. Know your standards. Let it be known to others. And then you run. And here's the last two. One is you wait on relationships until you're ready. All right? Until you, until you really are good at one, two, and three, you don't need to be dating anybody. I'm sorry. I know that's discouraging. I know you guys have butterflies in your stomach. And you, you want to have a boyfriend and a girlfriend and someone to text and talk to and hold hands with and go to the movies with and all this stuff. But let me just tell you, this, this thing, it gets tempting and it gets messy quick, and I think you should be careful. Here's how the book of Song of Solomon, which is a book all about dating, love, romance, sex, and marriage. Song of Solomon says this, the exact same verse three times. Put it up there. In 2, 7, 3, 5, and 8, 4, it says this, I charge you. Don't arouse or awaken love until it so desires. You wait until the time is right when you can handle it and you're ready to make a commitment to arouse and awaken love in your heart. Otherwise, it's only going to take you to a place that is reserved and designed by God for marriage and marriage alone. One, know your Bible, know your standards. Two, let it be known to others. Run away, flee all sexual immorality. Guys, the caution here is to wait, all right? You can work that out between your parents when you're allowed to date or whatever, but this youth pastor is just cautioning you. I'm not telling you it's a sin to date. You understand that? It is not a sin for a 6th, 7th, or 8th grader to go out with someone else, but it is a cause for caution, and I'm giving you a warning that you should wait until you're ready. Lastly is this. You know, if you follow God's plan, if you say what DC Talks said, said, I don't want it till I take the vows, and that probably means you have anywhere from 10 to 20 years that you are waiting on this thing, all right? And so in the meantime, you're knowing your Bible, you're knowing your standards, you're keeping them, you're fleeing, all this thing. But here's one thing you can do that's really special. You can prepare for your future role. I want to show you what marriage is like from Ephesians chapter 5, because I'm a married man, I know this to be true. Ephesians 5, 24 and 25 says, As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to your husbands in everything. And for husbands, this means you love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. So the way I'm supposed to love Allie is like Jesus hanging on the cross. I'm supposed to sacrifice for her and serve her in the way Jesus served me. And she, it says, is to submit to and honor me the way we submit to and honor Christ. This is part of that mystery of marriage teaching us about Jesus and us. And so marriage, guys, it's really fun. I have a blast with Allie. But it's also, a big part of it is service. We serve one another. We're unselfish. You're tempted to be selfish all the time. But you get up when the baby cries instead of acting like you're asleep and making her get up when the baby cries at 3 in the morning. And you serve each other in that way. I do the dishes, even though they're her dirty dishes. I go ahead and do them. She makes dinner, even though I'm the one that's hungry, right? And there's all different ways we serve each other. And so here's what you can do while you wait for this thing to be fulfilled in your life. Instead of fooling around, dating a bunch of different people, kissing a bunch of different people, experimenting with physical, sexual things, between now and the day you get married, instead of messing around with all that stuff, serve people. 
serve people. It doesn't have to be girls serving boys, boys. You just serve people. You sign up for a connection this summer. You go to Camp Barnabas if you're in eighth grade. You figure out how you can serve the invisible children. You get involved in a service organization at your school. You go feed the homeless here in Dallas. You serve in the children's ministry here at Watermark First Service. You come at nine o'clock and you help out with the little two-year-olds and you just serve your butt off and you just serve other people, and then you're preparing yourself to be a good husband or a good wife. Making out with a bunch of chicks will not help you be a better husband. It'll only give you a lot of regrets and embarrassing things you have to tell your wife someday. Girls, same thing, all right? But when you serve other people, that's going to make you a godly wife that a man is going to be proud and encouraged and blessed to have. And guys, when you learn how to be a servant, that's going to make you a leader of your family and someone that your wife is going to admire and respect and be proud of. So put up the five things one more time. Here's what you do. You're exposed to sex all over the place. Don't just know what the billboards and the TV shows and the movies and the songs say. You know what your Bible says, and you, you decide what your standards are going to be. You tell other people so you've got some accountability there, and so you're a light to this world. Then you run away. You run away from anything that tempts you. You wait on the relationships till you're ready to handle it, and you just spend your time serving other people to prepare for your future role of a husband and wife. That's the best talk on sex I can give you. That's all I got, all right? All the stuff we talked about the last three weeks are available online. A full summary, discussion questions, all that. Look it over. Talk about it with your parents. Go to your small groups. Talk about it with your small groups. This is your application. I want all of you guys to remember these five things. You can go look at them again online and put them into practice in your life. Let me pray, and, I'm, and then we'll get out of here. Lord, I thank you for these students. I thank you for the time that you've given us here, uh, um, and I pray that you would give them a great Sunday afternoon and that you would embed these things in their heart and protect them uh, from, from pain, uh, that you'd protect them uh, from impurity, and that you'd lead them to a life of holiness and set-apartness like you. In Jesus' name, amen.